They have great identity, their national brands. You found somebody, haven't you? You wanted your force! Say it! Oklahoma State's not going to change what we do because Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. They need to change what they do because they're the ones that made their mind up to go to the SEC. What is this? What's happening? What Robert is trying to say is that we are getting a divorce. Don't do this. No. No. I got to say, I could have called this one. No. Yeah. Is it our fault? Is it because we were bad? Please don't cry like that. Please don't. All Oklahoma had to do was not go to the SEC. So it is what it is. And in Oklahoma's case, I think they were more of what I would call uh, the reluctant bride. Financially, it's the only responsible thing to do. Uh, bottom line, we carried the league financially. Uh, us in Texas with TV money and whatnot. We accelerated Texas and OU withdrawal, which was a win-win for all parties. It's time for one last countdown and a final ride with the Big 12. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it sucked. We kicking this only. Uh, we kicking this thing off. Here we go live. From the Palace in Piedmont, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 Countdown, brought to you by Carter Jennings Law. Now, with today's team, here's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Thank you, TJ Perry. Here we go, countdown time. Greg Swindell. Greg Swindell, thank you. We are, uh, we don't got many teams left. We're down to the top six. We unveiled team number six today. Let's remind you of the, what would that make that? 19 teams we have had so far on the countdown. We started almost four weeks ago at 25 with Texas Tech. Tyler Shuck at quarterback for them. 24, South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. 23, Drake May and North Carolina. Texas A&M was our 22nd ranked team. At 21, Arkansas's Razorbacks came in at number 21. K.J. Jefferson back to lead them this year. Kentucky, 20. Ole Miss, 19. Quinn Ewers in Texas Tech, 18. TCU at 17. We went out west for 16. Washington with Michael Penix Jr. back this year. They're a contender in the pack, whatever. K-State, 15. They are the defending Big 12 champions, by the way. 14, Oregon. 13, Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. Penn State came in at 12. At 11... One week ago today, it was the Oklahoma Sooners coming in at number 11. Teddy Lehman joined us on the show for that one. This week, USC 10, Utah 9, Clemson 8, and yesterday at 7. Florida State was our seventh-ranked team. The Seminoles open against LSU. On that opening Sunday night of the season, that game will be played in Orlando. 
which brings us to today. The number six ranked team in the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 College Football Countdown is... Tennessee Volunteers come in at number six. What a fight song. Josh Heupel and the boys. Contenders again this year after a fantastic 2022 in which they went 11-2. and Only losses at Georgia and then a late season shellacking at the hands of of Shane Beamer in South Carolina, but they bounced back to beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl pretty soundly. And uh, Tennessee, they are about as high in Rocky Top as they've been in a long time coming into this season. Of course, the big question for them is at quarterback. Hendon Hooker was sensational for them a year ago, almost won him a Heisman Trophy. They will rely on Joe Milton. And doesn't like ten- uh, stitches. Does not like Tennessee at all. Joe Milton at quarterback this year, the Michigan transfer who had a very good Orange Bowl, by the way. Probably the guy that will take over at quarterback. They did have a highly heralded five star come in, but uh, the plan is for Milton to be the guy under center. Can he be as good as Hooker? Remains to be seen. He's got a lot of good weapons around him, wide receivers, Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, had a fantastic freshman year. At running back, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson. You know how they want to play. Up-tempo, under-hypel. They put up 1,000 points a game, breakneck speed. Uh, The offensive line's a bit of a question mark. Got to replace a couple of their staples up there, but they've hit some guys in the transfer portal they think they're going to be okay. Defensively, they made improvements from 2021 to 2022, but need to be better if they're actually going to contend for a national championship. That pass defense a year ago ranked 127th in the country. Now, part of that is they were really good against the run, so teams threw on them. Part of that is... They play so fast on offense that the opposing team gets a lot of plays for their defense. We are aware of that conundrum at Oklahoma. But that being said, they still have to be better, especially against the passing game defensively going into this season. Uh, Defensive back Tamari and McDonald could be a leader for them on defense. Pretty experienced up front with Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison. Uh, Amari Thomas. Potential all-SEC performer in the middle there, defensive tackle. I would say good, not great defensively. Great offensively. we got to see if Milton can do the job at QB, as good of a job as Hooker did, and a good, not great defense. Schedule, relatively friendly, as friendly as it could be, and you still have Alabama and Georgia. Uh, They open with Virginia in Nashville, 
then Austin P, then at Florida, which is always tricky for Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's better than Florida this year. They should win that game, but it is in the swamp. UTSA after that, they get South Carolina in Knoxville, and they get Texas A&M in Knoxville. They should be 6-0. and There's a couple of potential trip-ups there, but they should be 6-0 and when they go to Tuscaloosa on October 21st. That'll be one of the games of the year in the SEC. Tricky game after that, they could have a Crimson Tide hangover because the very next week they go on the road to Kentucky. Then UConn, Missouri, Georgia in Knoxville, and Vanderbilt. Um, TJ, were 11-2 last year. If you don't give them Alabama or Georgia, that's 10-2 this year, which in the SEC puts you in the top 10 in the country. If they could pick off one of those games, they're in the hunt for the college football playoff. Uh, more likely to beat Georgia at home than win at Alabama. But they gave Bama, or they beat Bama last year, remember, in Knoxville. I have question marks about Milton. I think he's probably pretty good. I'm not sure he could be as good as Hendon Hooker was a year ago. But this is a good team. They got a lot of confidence. They have a lot of momentum. They're going to start the year strong. I think they're probably going to take a whole bunch of of, uh, swagger down into Tuscaloosa with them. I don't know if they're going to win that game. But I think it's a 10-2 season, probably, for Tennessee. Maybe better if everything works out perfectly. Tennessee at 6. Too high, too low, or just right. Their head coach smells like pimento cheese and much like pimento cheese. Overrated. Too high. They're at least a four-loss team this year. They come back down to earth a little bit, and uh, Tennessee is rated too high. It's TJ's fault. You're T-Row in the morning show top 25 rankings. How did I know that was coming? You did not uh, know what I was going to do, uh, where I was going to go there. Uh, Four-loss team at least, if not five. All right. Well, you might be right. TJ says Tennessee Still an excellent fight song, though. I'll give them credit for that. Yes, it is. Uh, Tennessee number six, Bob Kessling. One of the longtime great voices of the SEC will join us live at 8.05 this morning to talk more volunteer football. Quick break. Back after this, 7.48 on Friday. To win the game against Alabama, Paxton Brooks to hold. Waiting for the snap, there it is, the kick on the way, and that kick is knuckling toward the upright, and it's good! Just gets over the upright! Chase McGrath wins the game for Tennessee, and here they come, everybody, sharing in the celebration, the student section, mobbing the field, they're mobbing Chase McGrath, they're mobbing Hendon Hooker. What jubilation in Big Orange country, as the Tennessee Volunteers end a 15-game losing streak to the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's the great Bob Kessling on the call. Tennessee knocks off Bama last year, and he joins us live from beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. Legendary voice of the Vols. Bob, good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good to talk to you again. That's great to talk to you, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you again when you come to Norman next year. Yeah, it, I mean, that's still trying to settle in. I, you know, that we they had the series set up, and it looked like, going to be canceled and then suddenly 
Texas and Oklahoma joins the league and heading back out to Norman. So uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. I, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the whole complexion of the SEC changes. Um, you know, there was already one change when they expanded, and and uh, and now that we've got this big time expansion with Oklahoma and Texas, it's it's going to be really interesting. And and I'm just glad that uh, that uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma are going to play again. I think that uh, we enjoyed our the, the two previous games recently, and now these next couple hope there'll be a bunch of them. Yeah, and it'll be fun to see Josh Heupel back in Norman again and uh, all that. It'll be a bunch of hoopla around that game, whatever it takes You got place. that right. Yeah, you got that right. I would imagine there's a tremendous amount of optimism in Knoxville going into this season, coming off the tremendous uh, season of a year ago. Yeah, last year was special. You know, it's amazing in a college football season. Uh, you know, when you beat Alabama, you don't expect to lose to South Carolina. But uh, that that kind of was what happened, and in the way Tennessee lost uh, South Carolina last year, uh, that derailed a lot of the things they'd worked so hard to, you know, get to be number one and being a chance to get in the college football playoffs, and Hendon Hooker maybe winning the Heisman Trophy, and all that went down in that one night in Norman, I mean in uh, Columbia, and uh, so that's one thing. There was kind of a learning process, I guess, that you you got to be ready in this league to play every single night. And uh, so you, you would think that Josh Heupel and the team learned a lot from that. And now they go into this season with momentum off the Orange Bowl win over Clemson. And Tennessee has an advantage, I think, over a bunch of teams because they know not only who their starting quarterback is, they know who their backup quarterback is. And that's all settled before the season. You know, a lot of teams in this league are still trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is. But Joe Milton has had the job since Hendon Hooker went down last year, and uh, Joe has uh, really matured. I mean, he should be mature now. This is his sixth year in college football, so uh, he's one of the most uh, experienced guys out there. Uh, there's no doubt that that Joe Milton has all the tools to be a great quarterback. Uh, he's got size. He can run. He's got a bazooka on his arm. He can throw it 70, 80 yards if he has to. He's got talented wide receivers who have a lot of speed. Uh, he's got his all his running backs are coming back. The, they they're having some uh, things issues in the offensive line right now, but hopefully they'll have time to get those worked out before they open the season. But uh, there's a lot of things to like about the Tennessee offense, and of course you've got one of the the great play callers dialing it up in Josh Heupel. So there are a lot of things to like about it. How do you compare and contrast Joe Milton to Hendon Hooker? like skill set wise well you know the one thing about hendon hooker was the fact that he could make snap decisions quickly and and that's a key in josh heifel's offense he would not hesitate if he you know he looks here here and then all of a sudden it's not open and he takes off running and picks up the first down and you move the chains uh it seems like at least to to us that are observing this and really don't know exactly what the thought process. It looks like Joe is a little bit slower making those decisions. Uh, Hendon was brilliant in terms of make, throwing the ball to the right guy at the right time and getting them out of bad plays, getting them into good plays, and, and basically running what Josh Heupel dials up. Joe has had his issues in the past that, uh, when he was at Michigan and early at Tennessee about some of the decision-making uh, and about – you know, when to deliver the ball and all those type things. Uh, but Hendon Hooker and, and Joe 
you know, here's Hendon Hooker beats out Joe for the job, and yet they're, they're roommates. And they, they still talk almost every day. So they're very, very close. And I think Joe learned a lot about composure, about what it takes to be a quarterback from Hendon Hooker. Uh, when, even when Hendon got hurt during the whole time, the Orange Bowl preparation, uh, I mean, Hendon was there with Joe every single day going over the game plan and watching film with him and everything. So he's really – and Joe's been kind of a sponge. I, I just – I think it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, Joe's touch on the ball. Uh, now, we all know he can throw the long ball. I mean, he can throw it 70 yards if he has to. But it's the underneath stuff, the checkoffs and those things that he's got to be better in decision-making. And all the indications are that uh, he's learned a lot and he should be a lot better at that this year. And if he is, this offense is really going to be something because they can stretch the field. I mean, if you're a defensive back and you know the quarterback can throw it 70 yards and you've got guys that can run, I mean, that, that puts a lot of pressure on a secondary. Dynamic offense last year. Good on defense, but could have been better. Do you have reason to believe that they could take a step forward defensively this year? Well, it's, that all depends on the defensive line. They've got to be able to get more pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, the, the, the Tennessee offense is going to run 70 to 90 plays a game. Well, that means they, they score quickly, and that puts your defense right back out there on the field. And your mm-hmm. defense can get worn down, obviously, in this situation, unless you have a lot of depth. And that's one thing Tennessee's been working on, trying to get depth. They went in the transfer portal, and they got you know a linebacker or two. They went in and got a couple of defensive linemen. So they're tr- and uh, they're trying to build that up. They did lose the, the, their dynamic pass rusher in Byron Young. He's in the uh, NFL now, and uh, so they're hoping uh, Tyler Barron or somebody is going to step up and and be that pass rusher. But I, I think the next step for the Tennessee defense is be able to get pressure. Uh, on their with their down linemen on the quarterback, and uh, so they don't have to blitz linebackers, and they've got to force more turnovers. They they were not very good last year in forcing turnovers, and they've got to do that. They you know the more times that offense gets the ball, the more times they got a chance to score, and the defense has to do a better job of that, and that's one thing they've been working on. Other than win, and I understand that's number one on the list, but other than that. What is it that Josh Heupel has done so right at Tennessee so far? You know, I think that a lot of these SEC jobs and, and probably jobs in the, in the Big 12, you've probably seen it too in your time covering games, uh, these programs can get away from coaches if they're not prepared to be a head coach. Because there's so many things. When you slide over from a coordinator to the head coach, that's a big jump, and they're – there are all kinds of demands on your time. You're getting pulled different ways. And if you don't budget your time and concentrate on the mission that day, things get away from you. And we've seen it here at Tennessee with some of the previous coaches. This job, though, was not too big for Josh Heupel. Uh, he came in and the program was in a mess. Everybody knew it. And uh, NCAA investigation and all of that. And they only had about 60 scholarship players. But Josh Heifel came right in and said, listen, these are our guys. We're going to coach them up. We're going to play as best we can. And, uh, and, and that confidence kind of rubbed off on the team. And uh, then suddenly they, they hit the magic with Hendon Hooker, and we're able to make some plays and get to a bowl game in and, and that first year, which I don't think anybody expected. But 
And Oklahoma fans remember Josh has been a very confident quarterback and a very confident uh, you know, guy when he was an assistant coach there. And that, that really has rubbed off here. He uh, just, you can tell watching the players, they believe in him. And if he dials up a play, they think if they do their job, they're going to score a touchdown. So it's, it's been fun to watch. Uh, he, he just is very, and I keep using the word confident, but he's very confident in his ability. And he's very confident that his staff can coach up players. And so far they've been able to do that. How's he been with the media? He he even as as a player, he was always kind of coach speak and dry. Great, but yeah. you know, not overly entertaining. How's he been with yeah. the media there? Uh, that that probably sums it up a little bit. He's you know, you sit there and you listen to some of his press conferences and you're not exactly sure what he has told you. He's talked quite a bit, <laughs> but you're not exactly sure what he has told you. He doesn't uh you know, he's he's not going to uh open the can of worms on his how his offense works or uh, injuries. He just refuses to talk about injuries and, and schemes. And, and he'll, uh, he, he does quite a bit of the coach speech stuff, but, uh, but he, he, he's been really good. To, I mean, the one thing that Josh Heupel has done, and I complimented him uh, a couple of times in, in recently, the fact that if you have a one o'clock appointment with him to do an interview or whatever, he's there at one o'clock. He doesn't make you wait for thirty minutes or forty minutes or whatever, and and so and I I thanked him on that one time. I said, you know, coach, I really appreciate the fact that you know at, at one o'clock, and he and he told me he said your time is valuable too, and he said, you know, my dad who was a, of course a football coach, my dad told me scheduling and time is the be- biggest thing you've got to manage when you're a head coach, and you've got you know your time is valuable. I don't I hope you don't waste my time. And uh, this is the way it works. And that's very rare for head coaches sometimes. You know, head coaches think the, the whole universe revolves around their, their schedule and what they've got to do that day. But yeah. uh, uh, Josh has been really fun to work with, and uh, uh, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's, he's, uh, he's very guarded in what he wants to tell you and what he will tell you. But l- at least when you – he doesn't give you those – you know, three-second answers, yes or no, that kind of stuff. He, he'll give you a 15- or 20-second soundbite, uh, but it's pretty much the same stuff all the time. But it's still good. It's, uh, but you're right, he doesn't, he doesn't look behind the curtain very often. With Other than the Alabama and Georgia game, what's the next trickiest game on the schedule for Tennessee this year, in your opinion? Well, I think Florida. You know, mm-hmm. When you go down to the swamp, it'll be a night game, so you know the, the, the Gator fans will be all jacked up down there. It's a game that Tennessee uh, will be heavily favored to win. But when you go down there, you know Tennessee hadn't won in Gainesville in like 20 years. And so it, uh, it's one of those tricky games that you've got to be ready to play. And those games down at Florida – and swing on turnovers and interceptions, and so Tennessee's got to take care of the ball. and And the one thing about Florida, you don't know who their quarterback's going to be or how good their quarterback's going to be, but you know you you know they got athletes, yeah, and you know they're going to be talented, and you know they're going to play fast and they're going to play hard, and uh, you got to go go in there and beat them. I I, I think that is really because as you mentioned, everybody's already talking about Alabama and Georgia. Uh, the interesting thing about the Tennessee schedule this year is they don't play Georgia until November, next to the last game of the season. And, you know, usually that game's in October. So uh, 
you've you've kind of got uh, by the time you get to November, you've already got Alabama and Georgia and Florida out of the way, and then you're just trying to to get to the you know end of the season and get a nice bowl game. But now Georgia steps in there, and can you imagine if Tennessee and Georgia are both undefeated going into that game in November? <laughs> are you kidding yeah. me? Rocky Top Holy will be bouncing. Smokes. I'll offer up yeah. one more tricky one. I think the uh, okay. the game at Kentucky. Because of where it is on the schedule, the week after the Alabama game, that that could be a little tricky. Well, you know, traditionally, if you look at teams the week after they play Alabama, they don't play well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons they beat up or they've lost or all those type of things, you got to regroup a little bit. Um, Kentucky, uh, I don't know, in the past couple of years, they've just not had the speed to keep up with Tennessee. We'll see if that changes. You know, they – they want to kind of play a different style. They might have. They might be changing that style this year a little bit. They might try and speed up their tempo a little bit and throw the ball. But you know, they they play have played such a run control game that if you score when you're doing that, then you're pretty good. But if you don't score, the other team yeah. starts scoring. You have a hard time keeping up. And so we'll see what Kentucky does. They they'll have uh, they'll have a good team. They'll have a good solid team. I don't know if they're going to be an elite team in the East, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. But you're right that that has kind of a um, little mark there uh, that you better be ready for that one because that could be one of those trip up games. Okay, before we get you out of here, uh, two most important questions. Uh, I've been getting a scouting report from all of the SEC broadcasters we've had on the show. What is your yeah. favorite and least favorite visiting radio booths in the SEC? What I'm trying to get a gauge of what I have to look forward to here. Well, the there that's an easy one. It is the, the worst booth in the history of college football, and it's Auburn. <laughs> now Auburn Auburn went from the best booth in the country, then they renovated their press area. Yeah, the it is now dead in the end zone. We're there Almost next year, year one. You're, well, you bring a big TV monitor because that's the only way you can be able to call the game. You're basically okay. sitting behind the goalpost, and if the ball gets beyond the 20 yard line, the next to you, if it gets to midfield, you got no chance figuring out how many yards the guy gained. And if they get way down to the other end, and and of course, naturally, where is where is the the jumbotron, the big replay board? It's, it's above behind you, so you can't, yeah. yeah, you can't use that either. So, uh, and then the first time we went in there, I was, they told me, uh, Andy Burton told me that it, it was a terrible booth. And I said, well, I, you know, it's re- renovated, brand new. How could it be that bad? Then you get in there and you go, oh my gosh, this is impossible. And uh, then they give you, but they said, we'll give you, you'll have a TV monitor. I said, okay, well, I, you know, we might be able to work that to help spot the ball and those type of things. Of course, the TV monitor is on a 10 second delay. <laughs> so that doesn't help you at all either. So, just, what about the uh, best? Uh, well, the best, uh, of course, I'm prejudiced. Neyland Stadium has one of the best sight lines. Love uh, that one. What's, mm-hmm. uh, LSU's not bad. LSU's okay. not bad, and because um, uh, you're, you're close year too. to the fifty, yeah, you're close to the fifty at, at LSU. So LSU's probably the next best. Alabama, uh, you you've got a pretty good sight line. Uh, you're on the, but you're on the other side of the field now, and, and you're looking into the sun. Same thing at Texas A&M. You, you, they they moved the press box to the other side. And you're high at Texas A&M. 
and but you're looking into the sun, and so that that makes it hard to to call the game. But uh, most of the booths are good, except for Auburn. And okay. I, I, a bunch of you know, they had an SEC uh, announcers meeting. They've stopped doing it. They used to. We used to do it before every season. We all go down to Birmingham and talk to Greg Sankey. And uh, I I complained openly to Greg Sankey about how unfair it is to to, to work out of that Auburn booth. And uh, uh, and of course Greg Sankey said, "Well, we'll look into that." Well, okay, right. <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> you know, you know how we are in the, on the pecking order of uh, the, they they yeah. want to take care of the radio broadcasters. We're kind of far down on that pecking list, but that's okay. All right, finally, this is highbrow radio here, uh, Bob. Yeah. How do you feel about pimento cheese? That's the question of the day on the show today. Pimento cheese, Can't love it or hate it? it. Oh, hate it. It's worst. It is. The you agree with my radio worst. partner? That's the okay. correct answer, oh. Bob. Thank you. <laughs> oh. This is uh, about uh, of all the play-by-play uh, guests we've had on. Uh, you by this far have been the best. Yes, Bob's right, been the bro. best. Hey, listen, Brussels sprouts and pimento cheese. I I, I can't. Those are, those are killers, man. You can't can't handle that. The great so, anyway. Bob Kessling at Tennessee. They open the season Saturday, September 2nd against Virginia. That'll be an 11 o'clock kickoff our time from Nashville. They're going to play that game. Bob, I hope That's you it. have a great year. Okay, guys. Hey, thanks. Have a good weekend, too. See you. See you, bud. There you go. Bob Kessling, he agrees with you. Hates pimento cheese. And it is unanimous. Auburn, the worst radio booth in the SEC. <laughs> 8.22 in the morning. We'll be back. 